I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My thanks to this week's sponsor, Wetman's Pinks of Dawlish, Devon. Their Diantha's Bridal Star and Pink Ruffles are scenting the air on warm afternoons. Boy, they are cracking cultivars. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some of the latest news, views and a bit of timely advice on all things gardening. Later, I'll be chatting to Malcolm Gregory, the grower at Double H Nursery, who's caring for millions of moth orchids. Meantime, what a week. From last Monday, the uh, Royal Horticultural Society Gardens uh, have opened by timed ticket entrance, and thousands have had a great time in the lovely sunny weather, certainly at the uh, start of the week. Normally at this time, about 800 apparently would visit Hyde Hall during the week when the weather was warm and sunny. And since Monday, sixteen to 1,800 have been thrilled to be back and really delighted that the gates are open once again. And since Wednesday, our floral fantasia area has been closed while we set about cladding what was to be our Chelsea Flower Show pyramid last May and will now stand outside over the weekend. Keep fingers crossed for us, will you? (laughs) I just hope and pray it won't be too windy. I've always said that at Chelsea we will always work undercover because the rain can really deliver some frustrating conditions and there's nothing worse than strong wind. At the top of the hill at Hyde Hall it can be pretty windy too and some quite tall new varieties of salvia uh, could take a battering. So we'll just keep our fingers crossed. Crowning the top of our pyramid, four metres high, is the first public showing of Philadelphia's Fragrant Falls. It is a a really elegant, pendular mock orange shrub with small single white flowers and the most beautiful fragrance. But the way that it weeps, the pendular habit, really is uh, very attractive. Sparkling in colour are four new small-flowered but multi-blooming Gerbera Garvinia Cheeky series in four colours. Actually, Cheeky Red is very well named. Boy, they are lovely things. Uh, And they're going to produce masses of flowers by the look of them. We will have uh, one side of our pyramid uh, 
clad with them, and there'll be some bright colours, I'll tell you. We also have four of the new half-hardy perennial salvias in the Lake series. They come in four colours, and the most recent is Strawberry Lake, a really unusual deep red to pink. Difficult to uh, really describe that colour accurately. And we have five new Safinias to celebrate 30 years since the introduction of the first really rich purple petunia. I'm really excited too by uh, new multi-flowered roses in the Precious series. The grower told me that uh, (laughs) if this introduction of roses had been a shrub, flowering repeatedly from late May through to Christmas, everybody would be jumping up and down. But it's so easily dismissed as just another rose, which it certainly isn't. Bred by Noack in Germany, the foliage is so rich and shiny, it's disease-resistant, and the most important thing, though, is that it repeat flowers. It just flowers and flowers. Floribunda type, you know, multi-blooms, on each stem. And what about Grandma's Rose? Another newcomer this year, raised by Mayan in France, where it's known as Rayon de Soyel. Uh, and if uh, my schoolboy French is uh, anywhere near accurate, I think it means ray of sunshine or sunbeam. Well, I suppose every grandma has their sunbeam, don't they? Uh, and perhaps some of those little sunbeams will be buying Grandma's Rose, a really rich yellow, a lovely variety. For something a little bit different, we've also got one container of an onion, Allium Quantra. Uh, It's an F1 hybrid, very free-flowering now. Uh, The bees absolutely love it, and it will flower for weeks, Uh, The flowering head, typical onion flower head, lavender-coloured, will be about the size of a ping-pong ball or perhaps a little bit bigger. But as well as the attractive ornamental flowers, you can pick and eat the leaves. They have a very mild, garlicky kind of flavour. When it comes to gardening advice, there was a panic call about a recently purchased rhododendron that the purchaser said was dying. In practice, on uh, inspection, the flowers were certainly going over, but the plant wasn't dying. Amazing, isn't it? Do people expect rhododendrons to flower non-stop for month after month? (laughs) I'm afraid we had to uh, tell them that azaleas and rhododendrons have a really stunning and showing several weeks in flower. And then that's the end for the year. If you uh, have bought one recently, and uh, I've seen some absolute crackers uh, on garden centres, the important thing from now onwards is to make sure they don't dry out. If rhododendrons especially get dry, then the outer edges of the leaves will curl down and round, and the tips will go black. If you see that, then you can be sure your rhododendron has been allowed to get dry. The compost needs a really good soaking to get it back into good health. If uh, you can sort of plunge the whole thing 
in a large bucket of water until the bubbles stop coming up. If it's rainwater, so much the better. Uh, and if, if it's out in the garden, then a drop or two of uh, washing up liquid will just break the surface tension and will help to get the plant really well moistened again. Once it is really well watered, it's worth giving um, a, a liquid feed with some ericaceous plant food. Uh, and you can do that up till about the end of June, first week in July. But it's better not to feed beyond that time, because if you do, it encourages growth at the expense of flower. And most rhododendrons and azaleas will be putting down their flower buds late July and into the autumn. I had uh, another query too about raspberry beetle. That's a little tiny creature that uh, lays eggs uh, and tiny maggots result. Honestly, uh, I don't like maggots in my raspberries. And if when you see the first raspberry turn pink, uh, you use uh, an insecticide, you know, make sure you check on the bottle that uh, you're using the right material you can knock out the uh, adult at that stage and you'll have clean fruit there's another little beetle that's causing me concern too on asparagus they would be a couple of millimeters or so long and uh, very easily identified because they're yellow on the back with a black cross they're quite tricky to catch you need to uh, open two fingers and slip through the stem so you cup your hand just beneath where the asparagus beetle is uh, feeding and then it'll drop down into your hand and with the luck you'll be able to dispose of it. Uh, I will probably stop cutting asparagus now. We usually say stop the 14th of June but uh, I started cutting quite early with the early spring uh, and I think that now would be a good time to let the grass grow, build the roots uh, well, ready for next year. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm very pleased to uh, introduce today Malcolm Gregory, who's the uh, growing manager for a company called Double H. Now, they produce literally millions of plants 
And so if you've been into the supermarket and uh, bought a moth orchid, there's a very good chance it would have uh, passed through uh, Malcolm's hands. Malcolm, how did you get into this, first of all? How did you get into orchid growing? Well, this is my second time at Double H. I came to Double H when I left school way back in 1975. I started in with them looking at the hydroponic growing for the indoor house plants. So that was till about 1980 when I went off to college. Then when I left college, my father had a little nursery that he was a foreman on as a strawberry farm. Um, the owners retired, so we took it over. So that happened on for about 20 odd years. And then with the supermarkets starting to open up around us, we become number, no longer commercially viable. So uh, we packed up and I thought I was going into retirement then. But one of the managers at Double H saw me uh, walking the dog one day, dragged me back to Double H and said, right, going to start looking at doing orchids you're in charge of the orchids <laughs> so this was way back in say 19 2006 2007 during that year as, as well i was sent off to germany and holland to learn the trade of orchid growing and basically with uh, with orchids commercially growing you do the exact opposite to what you do for a normal crop and that's how you grow an orchid the orchid house that i look after is about six acres, so 25,000 square metres. That's huge. We do factory farming of the plants. We do 32,000 plants a week. I mean, that's an amazing number, 32,000 a week. Yeah, so we got a, it takes about a year to grow from potting to selling the orchids. So overall, I've got about one and a half million plants on site of orchids. Well, now, can we go right to the beginning? Because um, they only spend the last year of their life with you, don't they? Where do, where do they start out? Well, they're actually test tube babies. They're done from meristem cuttings into test tubes. The cells are taken off the mother stems of the varieties that we want. And the cells divided out, put into flasks into agar jelly, and then grown on in the laboratory. So when these little tiny propagules are multiplying in the flask, how long does that take, and, and how do you get them out and able to survive? Well, that's again, that's all done in the flask. They're transferred, pricked out, if you like, from one flask to another flask in the laboratories to grow the cells into young plants. Different jelly is used to to produce with different hormones in to produce what we want, the roots and then the leaves. And after about nine months, when they are large enough, they go off to the young plant producers, which then just, well, the, the flasks these days look like little lunch boxes, little plastic lunch boxes. So they are just unsealed, taken out and pricked out then, and they go into plugs. The plug themselves is little coir glue plugs. What sort of size would they be then? About a couple of centimetres? Yes, that's it. They're a 60 plug tray. So it's a couple of centimetres. Is that how you get them? Yes, that's uh, how we get them. The producer grows them on for a, another nine months. And when they reach the right size with the good root system on them, they send them over to us. Again, we use the, the European growers because we're the only grower from young plants in the hot zone in this country now. 
So again, we have the 32,000 plants come over on a lorry every week. And, and you, of course, don't put them in coir, do you? We use um, our substrate that we use is bark and it is coir these days. It used to have a little bit of peat in it, but we had problems with uh, composting the bark down and dust. So we've gone over to a 70% bark, 30% coir mix. The main reason for that as well, as I say, all the dust used to make the edges of the pot covered over and the roots need light to make them grow. They don't grow in the dark. That's why we use the bark to be open. The roots don't grow into translucent pikes. When you buy a plant at the supermarket, it's quite important that you keep that transparent pot in the daylight? No, no, no. In the supermarkets, the growing is done. It's just flowering. The plant is quite happy in a uh, ceramic pot. When I buy a, a moth orchid from the supermarket and, and I bring it home and put it in a ceramic pot, what kind of um, length of life have I got? How many months do you think? They will go on for months and can go on for months flowering, but the plant itself can survive for, for years. The biggest killer at home of uh, orchids is watering. Do not let them stand in water. At home, they thrive on neglect. Really? Yes. So how often would you water? Watering at home once a week, if that. One way to check your watering is if they have a look at the roots of the plant. If they are green, they are quite happy. It's when they start going grey, that's when it needs a little bit of water. But also, if you look at the pot itself, if there's a bit of condensation around the pot, it is quite happy. Oh, I, I like that tip. A bit of condensation around the pot indicates that they have got enough moisture for the time being. Yeah. Remember, they've, we grow them in from uh, plug plants now, the coir plug, and that actually holds a little bit of water towards the centre anyway. So that acts as a little reservoir. The roots themselves are just water reservoirs. A orchid will only take up water from its root tip. They are quite strange things to grow. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And what about feeding then? Not really necessary at that stage. You can give them a little bit of feed again after you've reflowered them, when they're starting to open up, a little bit of feed to boost them on. But uh, the feed, they don't need a lot of feed. So the special orchid feed that you do have, that you can give, give them a feed with, is actually a very, very low nutrient feed. So what I suggest is you can also, if you want to feed, is use ordinary houseplant feed, but only about quarter strength. And then how often? Once a month or something? Yeah, once a month. So Now, Malcolm, you talk about 35,000 plants a week, many of them going out to supermarkets. Um, Mid-March, of course, the whole trade stopped. So how did you cope with that? Yes, normally they go, we deal with four supermarkets, Marks and Spencers, Sainsbury's, Waitrose and Tesco's, Marks and Spencers being the, the biggest. So all of a sudden it went down to 40% of their are budgeted uh, sales. 
So we had quite a few plants hanging around. So, I think you did. Yeah. So, well, and every week, of course, you've got another 35,000 yeah, stacking Yeah, they up, just keep yeah? coming through and through and through. Yeah. We took some around to the various care homes and uh, hospitals around to give away, and some went home for family and friends. And in the meantime, they started up to do online sales. And this is through our Love Orchids website. We set up the site itself at Chelsea in 2016 to promote growing of uh, orchids and how to look after them and their history and everything else. So first uh, few days, there was just 40, 50 boxes going out in a day when we first started out. And then after a week or so, it took off and we ended up with about a thousand plants, uh, sorry, a thousand boxes a day. And these are four plants to a box. Amazing, isn't it? How something like that can suddenly open up a completely new business. I mean, that's over 20,000 a week if I've done the maths correctly. Yeah, so it it really did help. Um, So we will now... Well, now, if listeners are interested in your four mini orchid online delivery, how mm-hmm. do they find you? Well, it's on the Love Orchid site. There is a button on there which is, does the offers. So we've got the offer going on there, and we've also got slowly branching out to extra bits and pieces. And it's also got hints and tips on there. And there's also a little video on there showing our production cycle through so you can see the greenhouses and the spacing machines and that working on that just a little video on that malcolm it's great speaking to you thank you for your help particularly with care of orchids at the home and as soon as i can i must come down and visit double h and see them for myself yeah you're always welcome how about the margaret atwood quote for the this week's tailpiece. Uh, she said, In the spring, at the end of the day, you should smell like dirt. <laughs> I certainly smelt like dirt, having uh, spent a good few hours cleaning beds and hoeing this week, and I can't wait for rain. The smell of rain falling on parched soil uh, is a gardener's summer delight. Well, I must up and at it again. There's uh, several plants I can see that are wilting, desperate for a drink, and I must get at that. Have a good gardening week. We'll be back with you, God willing, next week. My thanks to this week's sponsor, Wetman's Pinks of Dawlish, Devon. 